0: Welcome to the King's Cost dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. life in that town, learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. She brought an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who'd invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he'd know who's touching him. And what kind of a woman she is, that she is a sinner. And Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two men owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii, the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he cancelled the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt cancelled. But she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. For she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little, loves little. And Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. Now, just thumb back in your Bible to Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2. where a similar occurrence, similar idea anyway, is found in verse 15. Jesus calls Levi, that's Matthew Levi, to serve him, the writer of Matthew. And and he wants to go home with Matthew, Matthew Levi. Verse 15, while Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, Many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and, and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. Many what? Many tax collectors and sinners followed him. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners, as your Bible got inverted commas over it, eating with the sinners and tax collectors, They asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? You'll know, won't you, that tax collectors were a bit more villainous in those days than they are now. (laughs) Verse 17, on hearing this, Jesus said to them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous but sinners. It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Mm. Father, please help us as we consider your word and consider what you might want to speak into the house today by the power of your Spirit. May your will be done And may your voice and your heartbeat be heard among us in these next few minutes. I pray this in faith. In the name of Jesus. Amen. In the New Testament, in New Testament times, there were two groups of people who were considered the lowest of the low. People that well-to-do people, did not associate with the religious people among them. Did not associate with two particular groups of people who were considered the very bottom of the ladder. One were the tax collectors. They were kind of criminals in league with Rome. So although you may not like the tax office today, these guys were worse. And the other group were prostitutes. The two lowest groups on the social ladder. The tax collectors, and when it says the sinners, it most likely means the prostitutes in that, in that, uh, in that verse. And yet what's amazing is that Jesus chose to hang around with these people. Is that right? Come on, talk to me. He chose to hang around with those types of people. I could ask you the name of a tax collector in the Bible, and those of you schooled in the Bible would say, well, Matthew Levi was a tax collector. So we know, we even know some of their names. Simon was another one. If I asked you about who was involved in In a prostitute, who are some of the prostitutes in the Bible? We even know some of their names. And why do we know their names? Because Jesus knew their names. Jesus liked to hang around with these people who other people thought were a long way from the kingdom of God. And as such, He was regularly accused of being their friend. He is the friend of tax collectors and sinners. Now, here in our church hall on the screen, I've got a picture of someone supposedly doing some work for God. And on his placard, it says, God is angry with the wicked every day. Does this man to you, And there's all sorts of other pictures I could have used more offensive than this, by the way. Does this man to you look like he is a friend of tax collectors and sinners? And the answer is no. He's not. But the challenge is not really about him. Whatever motivates this gentleman on our screen. He's certainly not sitting at home watching the telly. But whatever's motivating him. It's not the issue. The issue is what's motivating us. I want to ask you today, are you friendly with some bottom of the ladder people or not? Because if you are not, then you're not quite doing life the Jesus way. Let me talk about some of these uh, ideas. Sometimes this is called friendship evangelism. The idea that in order to really speak into someone's life, we have to be good to them, know them, be friends with them. And I want to I express some ideas about this today. That if we really love some of the tax collectors and sinners, in inverted commas, of Cambridge, why don't we know their names? If we pray about the lost, how come, and we really care, how come we don't know their names? And the answer is this, because we only love them in concept, we don't love them enough to go and have coffee with them. We don't love them enough to go do Starbucks with them, or with my budget, Tesco Café. I want my points. No. Number one, Jesus befriended some. Now, I'm not talking necessarily now about the poor people of the of the of the area. Because God loves millionaires just as much as he loves the penniless. And I think we need to catch that sometimes. The idea that God Only loves the people at the bottom of the ladder. That's not true. He loves people at the top of the ladder too. And everyone in between. But Jesus befriended the world. Here's the question. Do we? Do we? I remember when I first became a Christian. I just wanted to share my faith. And I was 18 years old. I went from atheism to being a Christian overnight, really. And I just wanted to share my faith with all my friends. I had a large group of weird friends. So one by one, I shared my faith with them, and they rejected me a bit. And one by one, I began to sort of lose those friends. And here's the tragedy. I thought by losing all those friends that I was becoming more holy or more like Christ. But as I've got older, now I realize that that's not what Jesus was like. And I used to sit in church and hear the pastor say to me, we're going to do a big evangelistic event, go and invite your friends. And unfortunately, after being in church for two years, all my friends were sitting in the same row as me. And they were all hoping to invite me to come. And what happens with us is as our lives become more uh, revolving around Christ, more revolving around church, what can happen is that you begin to lose all your normal friends. And some of the weird ones too. Now sometimes it may be necessary, but at all costs we need to reverse this trend. Can you say amen? Because Jesus wasn't like that. I remember I've told this story many times, but it so captures it. There was a young man in this church a few years ago, and he just wanted to be a soul winner. He wanted to win other people to Christ. You'd hear him praying about it in prayer meetings. I just want to win other people to Christ. Wonderful. Now, he was, not of the, he was not a citizen of the British Isles. He was from another country. And I said to him one day, do you ever hang around with people from your own nation? He was part of the university. I knew there'd be like societies. Oh, sure, he said. There's a whole society of us. I said, well, how often do you go and meet with them? He said, never. Never. I never go. I said, oh, well, why don't you go? He said, well, he said, because, you know, uh, they drink and uh, they get a bit wild. I said, oh, okay. But what he was doing by separating himself from them Because they lived in a certain way that was different to him. What he was actually doing was he was separating himself from his harvest field, wasn't he? God had commissioned him to share the word with them. But because they broke open the beers, whenever they met, he was terrified of going there. And this was someone who prayed, Lord, I want to win people for you. I want to win people for you but the only people he knew were the people in his house group. He didn't know anybody else. And he was severed from his harvest field. I never forgot one time getting a text from him. And it said this. I encouraged him. Get back to that group. Go and join them. If they if they have a social event, go to it. He said what? Even if there's a prayer meeting on, yes, go to it. And I remember one time we met together to pray and he wasn't there. And a text came through. What's this? And there it was. Please pray for me. I've gone to the society. Well, praise God he did go. God wants you to be involved with all kinds of people, not just church people. Now, we'll find some balance in a minute. But it's not the will of God for you that everyone on your Facebook list is someone who speaks in tongues. Now, there are a few people on my Facebook list that need to be cast out. I'm getting through them one by one. Some of you may disappear in the summer. But I tell you this. You're not supposed to be like the Pharisee. You're supposed to be like the Christ. You're supposed to be the one. Can you imagine today? Did not the prostitute come into the house, lie next to Jesus and kiss him? Right? Now, I just want to ask you this. If tomorrow, in the Cambridge Evening News, there was a photograph of me reclining, And a prostitute, well known in the town, was a kiss in my feet. How many of you would think it's time to go to C3? We've got to rethink how we do this. I once... I had an occasion where I went out for a curry with some guys from Saffron Walden. They had nothing to do with the church. And I remember sitting, having a curry with these guys. And I remember thinking to myself, what about if somebody from the church were to walk by the curry house and look in and see me with these people? I'm serious. What would they think? Who are they? Oh, no doubt they're apostles. <laughs> uh, he wouldn't mingle with anyone else. No, they were all regular guys. None, none of them believers in Jesus. And I, wanted, I was worried about that. I was worried about the curry and all tasted off. We have got to get out there and mingle with them. And if all your friends are church people, then some it's not right. Some it's not quite working for you. And you need to rethink it. It's not the healthy who need a doctor, it's the sick. So the first thing I want to say is this. Jesus was the friend of some of the villains in the town. Jesus was the friend of some bottom of the ladder, bottom rung of the ladder people. Why aren't we? Why aren't we? Because if we're going to do it the way of the master, that's who we have to be. That's who we have to be. And what we tend to do, uh, let me just tell you the truth. What we tend to do is we hold an event and we say, bring your friends. And what does everyone do? They run out and they create a temporary nexus of friendships where they befriend people for three weeks to see if they can get them to the event. When the event is over, they haven't come, they drop those friends. That's not how it's supposed to work. We are supposed to be the ambassadors of Christ to this world. And Jesus had some really ropey people hanging around with him. Some of them were even in his church. I'm thinking of the 12. So Jesus befriended fallen people. Now, here comes a bit of the balance. Here comes the balance into it. Because what we don't mean, what we don't mean is we don't mean that we're going to love the world. In the book of James, the Apostles says this, friendship with the world is enmity with God. Or to be friendly with the world is to be an enemy of God. Jesus was friendly with everybody except one group of people. One group of people he was not friendly with. I don't mean he was rude to them, but they were not connected to him. And those people were the fake religious people. The Bible tells us to be friendly with some of the most sinful, naughty people that there are. But it warns us about hanging around with people who look like they're Christians, but they're not. It's really interesting what the Bible does. Why don't you go over to First Corinthians chapter 5. Let's read it together. First Corinthians 5 and verse 9. And the Apostle Paul says this. He says, I've written to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the people of this world who are immoral or greedy or swindlers or idolaters. In that case, you'd have to leave the world. If the Bible told you keep away from everyone who sinned, you'd be real lonely, wouldn't you? You wouldn't be able to look at yourself in the mirror either. If the Bible told you, don't hang around with people who are, whose lifestyles are different to yours, you'd have to leave the earth. Because everyone has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Nobody's perfect. Everyone has made mistakes. Everyone is a sinner in Bible language. So what Paul, he's not saying, don't hang around with people whose lifestyles are different to yours. He says, I'm writing to you, verse 11, that you must not associate with anyone who calls himself a brother or sister, but is sexually immoral, greedy, idolater, slanderer, a drunkard or a swindler. With such a person, do not even eat. The final insult of a first century uh, association would say, I can't eat with you. That's what he means. So the Bible says this. We're to hang around with some of the most villainous people there are. That doesn't mean we join in their villainy. That doesn't mean we join in their lifestyle. But we've got to break away from this idea. If if I go with them, I'm going to be infected. No, you're not. No, you're not. Didn't infect Jesus and it shouldn't infect you. But there's one group of people we're not supposed to hang around with. And that are people who say they're Christians, but their lifestyle doesn't match up. And I have warned and warned and warned and warned down this microphone and a hundred others, that people should choose their very, very close friendships exceptionally carefully. You can't choose your family, but you can choose your friends. Just because somebody wants to be friends with you, real close friends with you, doesn't mean you have to be. The Bible says do not be unequally yoked. That's not just talking about getting married. When you are yoked with someone, you go in the same direction as them. A yoke is something that connects two oxen together. And when you are yoked with someone, wherever they go, you go. It's not just talking about getting married. And there there are times when it's appropriate to say, you know what, I I, want to get involved with people's lives. I know that w- when they invite me out at work, it's not going to be my you know, cup of tea. In fact, there's not even going to be a cup of tea. But I'm going to go anyway. And I am going to be part of these people. I'm not going to be a holy Joe. I'm not going to be a Pentecostal Pat. But I am going to be involved in people's lives, even though it's not always my thing. Why? Because I want to show the kingdom to them. Let me say this. There are plenty of Christians who do indeed go with the flow of these things. Absolutely. But the reason they go with the flow is because actually they love the world. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about giving a license for people to live a worldly lifestyle and claim it's evangelism. That's just utter nonsense. And I'll finish with that in a moment. Because there are times, there are times to say no. Genesis 39 is where Potiphar's wife wants Joseph in her bedroom. What does Joseph do? Does he go in her bedroom? No. No. No, he doesn't. He stays clear of it. He doesn't go in her bedroom and think, Lord, please give me the power now to preach to her about the gospel of John. He doesn't walk in and see her naked body and think to himself, I must be the friend of sinners. He thinks to himself, this is a compromising scenario, and as First Thessalonians says, we should not we, we should deny even the appearance of evil. And he runs for his life. There are certain times when I've gone to various functions and certain things I've gone to and then we've moved on. Maybe it's even, listen to me, maybe it's even we've moved on to another sort of venue where I feel, you know what, There's no. we're not going to be able to talk in here and I'm not going to go any further. There are times to say no. There are times to say, but not from a religious or pious reason. But from a kind of a conscience reason. I don't think I should be involved at this level. And we have to say no. But many of us, let me tell you this. Many of us are a long way from that place. A long way from there. God wants you to be involved in people's lives. And if all your friends, everyone you know, if every single person you know is a Christian, I mean a proper Christian, not a fake one, then actually something's gone wrong. And maybe you need to join the pub quiz league. I don't know how good you'll be with them. I would, I'm terrified of joining a pub quiz league in case they all look at me when it comes to the Bible question. <laughs> I don't really know. Who was the father of, of Enod? I just don't know. <laughs> Where was King Ishborn? I just do not know. Israel, no. Maybe you need to join that darts team. Maybe you need to join that amateur dramatic s- society. We'll all come and watch you sing. Listen. We have to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And there are times to say, I'm going to be involved. There are times to say, actually, I can't do that because I have this thing on a certain night. But actually, there are some instances where we ought to be saying yes. When people invite us, we ought to be saying yes. So that the salt and the light can go out. Do you understand what I'm preaching about today? How many of you understand what I'm preaching about? Come on. Jesus was the friend of the people. Jesus didn't walk around with placards, God's mad with you. He ate with them first. Here's the balance, just as we come to a close. One of the most difficult things about friendship evangelism is this. We have this idea that in order to speak into people's lives, we must first be in their lives. We have to earn the right to speak. We've all heard phrases like this. And yet what can happen, listen to me so carefully, what can happen is that by being so involved in people's lives, actually we get to the point where we're afraid to talk to them about God because it will break our friendship. So we want to find that, that middle territory. People find the hardest people to reach are the people closest to them. And yet we're also told you can't talk to people until you're close to them. So we need to find the we need to find the middle someplace. Just as we close today, I want you to go back to Luke seven and just see one more verse as I close. Luke seven again. One more verse as I bring this to an end. I want to ask this question, how can we know that we're getting it right? God wants us to be not a part of the world. The epistle of John says, don't love the world. James says, don't be friendly with the world. And yet Jesus was accused of being friends with all the worldly people. Sometimes we need to ask ourselves, are we accused of that? Is that an accusation that could be brought against you? That you are too friendly With some of the worst people. Because if that accusation was levered against him. It ought to be levered against us. If we're walking in his steps. You follow what I mean? So here's a question. How can we know. If we're getting it right. Because you might spend all your time. In all the socializing with all your friends. And think that you're being a friend of the world, for Jesus' sake. And here's this amazing verse with which I've finished today. Luke 7, verse 31 through to the end. Jesus says, to what then can I compare the people of this generation? What are they like? They're like children sitting in the marketplace and calling out to each other we played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We sang a dirge, and you did not cry. Let me rewrite that for your understanding today. Jesus says, sometimes there was a party. Sometimes the kingdom of God was like a flute playing. It was like a party, a celebration, a wedding. And nobody danced. Other times, it was a dirge, it was strong. it was repent. and nobody cried. And then he explains, for John the Baptist came, he didn't eat and drink, and you said he's got a demon, and the Son of Man came eating and drinking, and you say he's a glutton and a drunkard and a friend, a tax collectors and sinners. And verse 35 is the verse I want to finish with today. This is how we know we have the balance. Jesus says this, but wisdom is proved right by all her children. How do you know you've got the balance right? I'll tell you from the verse. You're going to produce children. I don't mean you're going to get friendly with people and produce children. You're going to be fruitful. How do you know when you're socializing that you're not compromising? I'll tell you how you know. Because those people are going to see something different in you. You may be sitting at the same table as them, but you're not the same as them. If you sit at the same table as them and are the same as them, you don't produce any fruit but the wheat and the tares grow together, side by side. How do you know you're getting it right? You know you're getting it right because you start to impact upon people's lives. 20 years ago and more, when I became a Christian, I sat at the same table as my mates. They didn't like this new Bible bashing Peter that had appeared, although I barely mentioned the Bible and don't have the strength to bash anyone. But they didn't like this new born again Peter, and so they slowly but surely didn't want to meet me. You know what I did? I withdrew from them, but I shouldn't have. I shouldn't have. I should have stayed with them, but changed my approach. I should have stayed with them and served them. I should have stayed with them and loved them. Instead, I withdrew and became part of a little church group. And every time we did a mission, every time we wanted to talk to someone about the Lord, the only people I knew were the guy on the overhead projector and the guy shaking hands on the door. But that's not how God wants your circle of friends to be. So I want to ask you, as we finish today, Is there anything you can change about the way you live your life? Is there anything you can change about the circles in which you operate? Because God wants us out. Influencing, affecting, blessing. And sometimes there's a time to preach and sometimes... There's just a time to be there and to be part of people's lives. And you'll know if you're doing it right because you'll bear fruit. You'll know you're doing it right because people will look at you and say, you know, I know you're sitting here with me, but you are not the same as me. When I was working in the In the picture house for a few years. I just shared my life with the other members of staff. I shared my life with them. Sometimes I was able to do some great witnessing. Other times I was just able to do a great job. At work. The greatest accolade I ever won. Was attending a staff meeting late at night, early in the morning, in the picture house, where I won Most Optimistic Member of Staff Award. And I was presented with a Star Wars t-shirt, which I'm sure, after a few months of me being dead, might even fit. But what an honor. What an honour. It was mission accomplished. That I hadn't been seen to be religious and aloof. But accessible and friendly. Ah, I didn't do everything right. But if Jesus was called the friend of tax collectors and sinners, what are they calling you? What do people call you? Because it ought to be the same. If you're listening to us on the broadcast, God bless you. and May God touch your life. Thank you for listening, and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church, or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, We would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.